Welcome back to another episode of Supercoach Insider. My name is Ben. And I'm Chris. I'm Swizz. And thank you for joining us. It's our team-by-team analysis. Sometimes it's long, sometimes it's short. That's just what happens when you go out into the wild world of Supercoach footy. Um, before we move on, it's Insider 100. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Also, all the audio platforms as well. So Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, you name it. And on the YouTube, Chris. Yeah, search for Supercoach Insider. Let's get into Melbourne, guys. Let's go. Melbourne D is also yeah. nearly hitting the, I think, 1,800 and something subscribers to YouTube. So about to crack that 2K mark at any point. So thank you for all the love and attention we get on there. We understand a lot of people listen on the audio platforms. I know if I'm driving around the world, I'd be listening as well. But YouTube as well shows us that you really um, support us as well because that's our only means of revenue. And it keeps um, the lap dancers for this big guy going on, Chris. And uh, keeps <laughs> Swizz is also um, getting a... a Calm you know, down there. Getting a share of the cut, etc. this year as well. So um, that's why I'm raising we... a family over here, mate. I ain't got time for that <laughs> shit. <laughs> so I'm um, going off um, previous context. But uh, anyway, let's go into Melbourne D's. And they're a very, very interesting team. I think a lot of people are wildly invested in their success and particularly their, their structure as well. So when we have a look at, so in's, they had a guy called Jed Adams. Don't trust him. Two first names. Pick 38. <laughs> Classic um, two first names. Yeah. Then, Kaya, Ferris White. Yeah. Some category B rookies. Let's go. Brody Grundy, really, really big trade coming in from Collingwood. Collingwood, um, hey, the pie, pay part of his seller, Chris. <laughs> um, Lockie Hunter traded from Western Bulldogs. I think he's highly underrated. That was a horrible. Um, <laughs> that was um, terrible. Matt Jefferson, pick 15. Um, again, two first names, Matt and Jeff. Horrible pick. Um, Josh Shackey, even worse pick. Uh, third time lucky for Shackey. But, hey, I guess when you get rid of some of your other key forwards uh, that are young, you need some kind of depth. So there it is. And um, some other rookie sort of players as well, which I'll kind of leave there. Will Verrill, what a feral name. And uh, Oliver Seston is the other one. And uh, apparently he is from Tasmania because his last name is Inceston. Um <laughs> <laughs> out Oscar Baker delisted Belford are you, are you, traded are you on the scotch mate is there, uh, is, look, I might have after all the um, Dylan Moore <laughs> stuff last time I might have probably knocked over about a two two and a half drams I think in, in, uh, in a look, little bit I'm, so. on, I'm actually just on vodka tonight um, I'm not the splash kind unfortunately because I don't have any right now they're all at your house I know and- I'm hitting him up we're trying to get some stuff up here but um, we'll see what happens um Oscar Baker delisted, uh, Toby Bedford traded to GWS, Mitch Brown retired, Magic Door retired, Hunt free agent to West Coast, um, what a hunt, uh, Luke Jackson traded to Fremantle, a really big out there, Rosman delisted, Wiedemann traded to Essendon, and that kind of wraps up their ins and outs, and the main ones, I think, Brody Grundy everyone's talking about, the outs from Jackson, the and the in for Hunter, I think, is also probably the most notable one, because it changes things as far as position and structure. Now, when we look at the fixture, they play Brisbane, Carlton, Hawthorne, North Melbourne, Richmond, and Sydney twice. Now, even though like Brisbane, Carlton, Richmond, Sydney, I think they're pretty close games, but to play Hawks and North Melbourne twice, I think is an absolute win. And their first four isn't particularly easy. Well, their first three particularly, Bulldogs, Brisbane, and Sydney. So Bulldogs at home, that's not too bad, I guess, hopefully MCG. Brisbane away, 
probably a, a difficult run, but they flogged us up here last time, so who's who's to say? And then Sydney at home. So if you're going to play Sydney, down at the MCG or Eddie Hay would be the way to go. Uh, and then West Coast away. So they already play well at Optus. They won a grand final over there. They travelled over there. They play extremely well. Same sort of dynamics as the MCG. But so from that round four, so West Coast, Bombers, Richmond, North, Suns, and Hawks. Outside of Richmond, it's pretty much a lot of the bottom six teams at this current point in time, and that's a huge run. Now, from round 16, so after the bye, from round 16, right, so you've got Giants, Saints, Lions, and then Adelaide, Richmond, North, Carlton, Hawks. So it's kind of a one-for-one. It's a harder opponent, weaker opponent. And again, but you're playing Giants, who I think will be bottom four, Adelaide will be sort of bottom six. North and Hawks, again, both bottom four. And I think it's a nice little kind of way to, to finish up in the year. And the reason we kind of say, particularly with some of these lower teams, is that when you win, you get more pie, like more piece of the pie. And when you're someone like Clayton Oliver, he's towed up some teams massively before with these you know, 200 scores that he throws out once or twice a year. And it's usually it was an Adelaide when they weren't performing or a Gold Coast when they weren't performing. And there's definitely some scope for him to do extremely well. Now, when we talk about Clayton Oliver, and he's a $699,000 midfielder, he's extremely expensive, right? And some people on YouTube, right? <laughs> Abdul, uh, not naming names, but um, the uh, uh, Abs Magic love love what he's doing. And I kind of get really emotional about um, about Clayton Oliver. And I get very defensive because I'm like, who are you starting? There, ha- there is no other premium. If I could pick one and it, you know, to hell with Lockie Neal, to hell with anyone else. If I could pick one premium, it would be Clayton Oliver. And the reason is, is again, we don't play some draft league where there's no captain scores. We play a VC and C double points for your captain. And there is no better captain to play than Clayton Oliver. So before I pass it over, Clayton Oliver, the last three years, he's gone for 51% of the games. So for just slightly more, for that 1%, more Every second week, he's going 120 or more, which means every second week in the last three years, he's given you a captaincy score or above. And out of that, he's actually 32%. So one in out of every three games, he's gone 135 or more. So every second week, you're getting at least a 120. Every third week, you're getting at least a 135, which is an amazing captain score. And he's also got huge ceiling with 176, 177, 178, 204, 205 in the last few years. Huge ceiling. And 92% of his scores are over 93, which means that if he does happen to butcher it, generally speaking, he doesn't go that low. Only two scores below 85 in the last three years. He gets enough of it that it doesn't matter. Like even when he's butchering the hell out of the ball, he still gets enough ball that it just trickles over to be a good score by the end of the game. And I, I, it's nothing more frustrating than like it's hard. You go, you go in a half time and it is a non clarioner in the early part of last year. He might be on like 35 at like halftime. And I'm like, yes, this is amazing. I can't believe that I'm going to get a win this week. Ha ha. F you, Clarionis. And then he turns around and he'll go 110 by the end of the game. And I go, oh, that's he, he can pump out 50, <laughs> 70 point quarters, no dramas at all. Uh, that, yeah. And even playing against us, he tells us each time that he just, we, we, we don't tag. So uh, those early, as uh, one of the hardest games in that six game run. It's not even a hard game for him. Um, you have midfielders we talk- now, Swiss? What? You've got some midfielders now. Yeah, we do, but still we won't tag. Um, we were talking off air about, you know, 
who are you going to captain out? If you don't go Clary, what are your other options? And for everybody else that is having him, they will have the captaincy on him. I think well, this is the um, the draw that we are just talking about. So Bulldogs round one, it's a Saturday night, then they play the Lions on a Friday. Then from then it's oh, Sunday. Which, by the way, generally speaking, Clary and Track just have their way with the dogs for some reason. Yeah. Same as Bont and McRae. The Brisbane Lions love giving They shake hands and they just go on and stuff and that. And then, yeah, then they've got uh, the su- they've got Sunday, Sunday, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, Saturday night, Saturday afternoon, Saturday afternoon. So, and then not long after that, they'll have the um, the normal mail, um, uh, what do you call it, the Queen's birthday, King's birthday, yep. whatever it will be Queen's this year. Queen's birthday, Monday. Um, match, which is always on a Monday. So there's quite a lot of games where he is going to be the second, you know, he's playing later in the round. Um, as good as Melbourne have been, they don't feature, but they, I think more middle of the year, they start featuring a few Friday night games. But yeah, he is going to be, for those 50%, everybody's fallback um, as the captaincy option. So that, as Ben and the I were just talking about before, like if you don't have him, there's other players there, your Turks and your, and your Mills who can put up some monster scores, but they can also put, you know, some lesser scores as well. They're not, um, you know, the most reliable captain options, fantastic VCs where, so if you're, if you're banking on one of those guys as your, as your player uh, and, um, you know, let's just say it's a Friday night and other people have, you know, let's just say it's, it's Bont, for example, and Bont goes a 90 and then you're relying on you're sitting there with Miller, and everybody else is sitting there with Clary. And we know every second week Clary's going one twenty that we're just banking. Um, and then you're relying on two to go. Hopefully, it's a one fifty this week and not the ninety or the yeah the 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 flat hundred score. So I love Clary because it's just that reliability. I know what I'm getting from him as a captain, and the ability for him to go those massive weeks as well, like. Um, do I want, uh, we're talking about West Coast, who's probably going to be down the bottom, North Melbourne in particular. If you don't have him by those rounds and, and he goes that monster 170 to 200, what do you do then? How do you, uh, does well, that cooked. mean you just don't? Because don't you're, not, you, you're not missing 170, you're missing 340. That's exactly right. And the only thing you can do there is hope that like your Miller or your or your Neil or whatever has gone 150 just to keep up with it. But if that if they don't, then you you, you are cooked. And when he's yeah. 50% owned, you're sliding. Like it, it's that, not a little thing. risk. It's not a Dacos yeah. risk where yeah. you're playing Doherty against Dacos and neither of them are captain. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's one thing I take into huge consideration because I like good VCs and reliable Cs, which is why I think generally I do pretty well as captain scores. Right, you're trying to look at and then go with gut feel as far as like matchups and who you think you're going well. And based on gut feel, some people, yes, he's dropped the occasional low score the last two years and notoriously he hasn't actually gone well against West Coast either. I think he's going like 100 or less. So some people are like, oh, well, he's playing West Coast. They're like a nuffy side. I'm like, okay, well, now that Redden's gone, who's the defensive-minded midfielder that's going to try and keep Clary at bay? And last time, I think they were flying when they played West Coast, and I don't think Clary really cared about the result as much. Um, Redden's gone. So, like, you look at Kelly. Yes, okay, Kelly's in there. She It's probably Yo at the moment, but, I mean, even Yo is not really going to be Or Cully, like, who, who's going to be the, the – but what I'm saying is there's no really ex, uh, experienced defensive-minded mid – at the moment, at West Coast, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I see him tailing up this year. 
But well, I, so there, there are reports that they're going to be basically flipping um, Jinbi, Shui, and uh, and Yo off the half back line and through that midfield rotation. I'm not sure what that looks like in game, but that's the that's what they've been sort of training in terms of uh, and what the, what actually Luke Shuey has said. So I'm yeah. I mean, look, who knows? But at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to matter. I think he's going to run over the top of them. Well, the, um, sorry, Chris, I'm going to butt in. There's uh, the out of those first eight weeks, he's got four games there: the Lions, um, Richmond, North, and Gold Coast. He has career averages of 120 against the Lions, 116 against us, 120 against North, and 131 against the Suns. That's career averages, and that, and and we all know, like first couple of years a player comes on the scene, and it's usually quite low. So just a guy that reliably just puts up massive scores against them. And even the Swans, his last three against the Swans have been 134, 125, 130. Like he just yeah. doesn't miss out against these teams. And, and Clary's average is more said, reliable. It's more reliable because yeah. he, he broke out in his second season. I know because Chris yeah. took him in draft before I did. So <laughs> when a guy averages 115 in their second season, or I think it was about 115, He's pretty much been a premium ever since that second year. So, but you know his career average against those teams is quite reliable because he broke out in that second year. It's not like a Tuke Miller who yeah, took quite a while and did some tagging roles and then finally became premium. So all those yep. are skewed. He's his average against a, an opponent for his career is quite average, uh, quite accurate. So you got to remember as well. There's, there's another. This is another context of it. He's the highest CBA midfielder there, and I know that my lovely partner loves me. CBA, so CBA. CBA. <laughs> you should really She just said she's heard that 75 times today. <laughs> um, but he, oh, at 87%, that's 12% higher than the next, which is Jack Viney and then the tracker as well with the same amount, 75%. So he's going to be in there the most. And then he's also going to have the two best ruck in the league in there 100% of the time. So it's now not just Max Gorn, it's also Brody Grundy. He's going to get the best tap ruckman in the competition, constantly tapping down. I mean, I mean, the only way it could be better is if it was Max Gorn and Nick Natanui. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> like, that would be that would be sick to, to watch. By the way, so um, and, and when he goes, so and not even just that, it's now going up to the forward line, and you're going to have one of them resting up forward. So yes. the, the flick out well, the back or, or the, the silver service where him and Petrarca yeah. potentially can get on the end and kick more goals. The other thing can, is – Can they we tie these two guys in together as well, seeing that we're talking about these Oh, we rocks. probably could. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, they do, and, and it's probably fair because they were the biggest Monty last year to win the flag after 10 rounds. They were absolutely flying. And then they obviously you know had some issues and fell off. So they're going to be super hungry this year to rebound. Too so, the, the, the key coming? the key unfortunately with um with with that and with Melbourne has been their forward line structure. It actually falls down incredibly when they get an injury, and they had Tom McDonald obviously down last year, and it just threw out their entire forward structure. Um, ben Brown's not the solution, and I think that that's been established quite well. Um, he's back from health though. Um, Tommy Mack apparently is all good to go for round one, and it, by all reports, they should have a fully functioning forward line. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Now, if that's the case, they're going to be really hard to beat this year. But they add that um, that dynamic of of a Brody Grundy or a Max Gorn forward, which is a complete mis- mismatch nightmare. When you've already got Ben Brown, you've already got Tom McDonald. Like, who is the team that has three guys that are one ninety five plus sitting in their defensive line? 
ready to take these guys and for strength as well. So that's going to be a unique situation that, they, that will change change things. Apparently um, Melbourne have been tailing up the preseason too. They've had, I think it was um, a journalist or someone or other has gone and visited a few teams and he just said, Melbourne are switched on. Like they are training that, so intense and they're hitting each other. Like they are yeah. fully you, they're, invested. They are really hungry because they missed a, a, an absolute oh, for sure. they did opportunity a, last year. They did a reverse Stephen Bradbury last year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they, they'll be – so I think they come out. Were they even, straight it, sets? It could happen again. Yeah, I yeah, think it was Brisbane. straight sets. Yeah. Sydney, Brisbane, uh, bye-bye. It's not yeah. the first time they've been out in straight sets though, I guess. So. <laughs> <laughs> but that, was the that, that's chase even if it was to happen again later in the year but they are going to start the season absolutely so fired up um mm. yeah i wouldn't want to be playing them in that first sort of four to six weeks uh now touching on obviously the, the, the grundy and gorn situation i'm very anti choosing either of them um and i think it's a big topic of conversation because a lot of people are loving the grundy pick i personally hate the grundy pick so just just to start this conversation, can I get a estimate average from you guys on what you think Grundy will average? Uh, 115, 130, somewhere between. Uh, um, <laughs> 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 I think I think he's about. <laughs> I think he's a he's somewhere between 100 and 105. Yeah, ben? I've got about 100. Um, my only saving grace is that. Uh, I don't think he's really been injured this preseason. And I think Max Gorn, if he takes the back seat and if Grundy gets enough forward, DP, he might actually get DPP, which is probably the only reason I might consider him because he's value. But if I do select him, I'm quite knowingly going into that season expecting that I might have to trade him. Yeah, so my issue which is, is bad, this. So- but rucks suck. Yeah, and they do. And so that's where the door opens, right? So my issue with, with Grundy in its entirety is I actually think he averages less than 100. I think he's probably more 90 to 100. Um, the reason for that is he's actually not a very good forward. So, yes, I think if he's getting 35% forward time, which I think he does, he might, he probably does get that. I think that's way too much. He proved last year when he when he dual rucked with Cameron that he couldn't average more. What would he average? 103. And that's when he was like 70, 30 ruck. Now if he goes to actually be a more of a forward he's going to average even less and he's only ever averaged um in his career i think his best ever year was 0.8 goals a, a, a year a per game sorry per, for the year yeah gorn is the same he actually has the same uh, goals per game ratio as gorn they're both not great forwards gorn, like, gorn don't get me wrong can gorn, gorn can actually take good contested marks it's just yeah he just he's, can't convert he's yeah he's set shot kicking is one of the worst it's like dangerfield like which is why that he's hey, he still, to, you know, sit behind the ball as opposed to... He still made the minor premiers, though, the other year. Goal after the siren, remember? Minor premiers, oh, yeah, Melbourne. He did, but he, but until then... Oh, he's a butcher. He absolutely butchers it in that. I actually, Especially against Geelong. He loves, he loves hitting it. <laughs> he loves hooking it against Geelong. I'm actually surprised that's nearly the setup because I nearly thought they would have gone with Gorn, start him in the back line, and their actual proper sixth defender starts at the corner of the wing, defensive wing, and runs back. And Gorn's just your, becomes your intercept mark because he does it actually, so well. I, hope I think there will be stoppages where you'll see both of them in the center bounce and Gorn then from the center bounce moves behind the ball and you have um, Grundy as the third midfielder because he's actually very good at follow-up and groundwork 
and his tackle press is fantastic around stoppages. So I can see situations where they start them both, Gorn rolls back, and then you know Grundy goes follows the ball because he can play. I think you can possibly pay him like you did Jackson at, at times as an as an extra on baller. Um, my issue is that the scoring just isn't there. The role's not there for the scoring, and I would love it to be there because I love. I'm, I'm a big Grundy fan. I'm a huge, 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 huge Grundy fan. He's been my one of my favorite players for like ten years. He's not even that. I don't even think he's been in the league that long. But true tr- over Grundy, yes. What we saw, what we saw with Grundy's points transition is he was uh, there was two years in a row where he went 99, he went 99, 99, and then bang went 130. Um, and I think he went 130, 130, and then started his, his downward progression with his scoring. Um, and he hasn't gone, he hasn't had an upward year since he started to go back down and back down and back down. I don't think that is going to happen this year. And he was 103. Uh, just yeah, it doesn't make any. There's no. I would love to grab onto a single reason why he's a good selection, but I cannot for the life of me find one. I, I think no, Gordon, he's Grundy. He's talking oh, about Grundy. Grundy. Oh, okay, because I'm, I'm the, all thought the there. Yeah. The, the downward spiral the, came with the salary, Chris. Yeah. Once he got paid, <laughs> once he got paid on a seven-year deal or whatever it was, then it's like yeah, one thirty, one thirty, yeah. and then ooh, slowly but surely <laughs> st- down. I still um, think he's he's going to be more in around that ball and heading down to those sort of players in Oliver and Petrarca. I still think he's around that hundred mark. That's it. I, I could be 100. sold in that preseason but, uh, though. No, when you see two games, two games of them lined up could swing. The hundred's only valuable only, if he gets forward like DPP. Yeah, right? agreed. It's not valuable at all if he stays in the ruck. Uh, but no. you can remember there there is going to be games. I think we've gone just because now of his age and everything. They're going to towel teams up. I can see worlds where Gorn gets three quarter time, off you go, and Grundy's going to run around and do whatever it's solved. That, that could be the case life. as well because you would assume that Gorn's the one that gets traded, that yeah. gets subbed, right? Because yeah. body concerns is, is probably a little bit higher. Wouldn't it be Gorn, surprised if Gorn gets rested some games yeah, playing as well. for finals? Yeah, playing for finals. Yeah. Uh, let's go into Gorn though because he is six hundred twenty-two thousand. He's very expensive. Blanket Thirty-one no. years of aged. Thirty-one years of aged. Um, what was that? Blanket, no, just straight off the bat. Yep. Yeah, blanket, no. But um, when we just look at it, though, he's still had seven scores of 125 or more and three scores of 150. Uh, obviously, Grundy coming in does impact things and changes, we've already said. But slight hamstring um, in mid-January, but back to full training February 8th. So there's no real issue there. He got back in and started doing ruck work. Now, the funny part with him, though, even though he's 622000 which is already an inflated price, he only went 100 plus 55% of games. So when he went over 100, he went big, but he still went under 100 in 45% of his matchups, and 20 of those were actually – 20% was under 80. So yeah, even if there, you there did were rate him – If you didn't have him, you wanted to just oh, punch sure. yourself in the face. And then – I remember the – wasn't it the game that he went absolutely massive, but he also like got injured or something or and then had like multiple games off? So he went huge, but also – Yeah, his, I, think that, I think I think – that was, yeah, because there was definitely some frustration with that. Where was he there? Um, no, no, because that was that wasn't the kind of game. He only got like seventy. It was the week before he got the one ninety eight, just absolutely yes. like slaughtered it. And then yeah. against the Pies, yeah. it was seventy. And then see you later. Wasn't playing um, for a few weeks after that. Uh, yeah, so, so people uh, traded him in after his one ninety eight, going, "Oh, I've got to get him in, got to get him in." And then he just and went then, and just got out again. Um, the Gorn discussion leads into round 15 for us this year because it's they don't have the last buy for the 
first time in a while. And mm-hmm. he should have dual position status. But by unfortunately, then. Grundy and Gorn still share the same posture. Yeah, well, that's the funny <laughs> thing about it. But I think he'll have yeah he'll have his dual position status, and depending on his price, and we'll obviously know what's going on with all their setup. Um, I think that could become something relevant that we'll be talking about throughout the season. But you shouldn't shouldn't even be considering starting him. That and that's the thing. I think with with um, with both of these guys, like I I don't mind picking him up during the year once you understand their role, what their output's looking like, how they're working together. But to to jump in at this point in time and just be like, oh yeah, like whatever. I, I just that that for me is just it's flabbergasting. How many? Um, well, I would love. To, I'm going to see ownership. What's the ownership like with these guys? Because well. I, <laughs> I'll let uh, Swizz look that up, but it's pretty much like putting money on a, on a roulette wheel and giving it a spin and hoping it comes out red, to be honest. Um, that's kind of it. Uh, yeah, so we've got Grundy at 16%. He's the third Decent. most highest demon. Um, and Gorn's amazingly at 3.5%. So, okay. Uh, uh, 3.5%, percent that's nice. But so the, the Grundy one's interesting at 16 that one, Is that higher than Darcy Cameron? I'll tell you how that is with the Rucks. I'll, no, get, I'll give you that. He's so like 30%. Of the premium rucks, number one is naturally Rowan Marshall. Then we've yep, got yep. English at 26 and Darcy Cameron at 26. Yep. Then Grundy. Okay. And then it's Daylight. You see, yeah, I, so much I see, open. The, the, the thing with, um, with Cameron over Grundy is purely the fact that he's already forward status. One thing you don't want to be doing is running into and round cheaper. seven and Grundy's on 34%. And he just doesn't quite get it. You know what I mean? Like, that would be terrible. I think the um, only issue with Cameron is where he's at with his injury. And that's in how I think he's only back in full so. training. Yeah, yeah, he's back yeah, in training looking fine. Uh, that, that's no problem. Um, but, but, yeah, Grundy, yeah, it, uh, surprised at 16%. That's that's quite interesting. Let's move on. Mm. Christian Petrucca, a midfielder, 618,000. I think it's got to be a straight-up blanket no as far as starting for the season, and it's kind of like a Zach Merritt sort of type where you know, yeah. you're interested and you could start him because you rate him and he's a really good player, but you just know that in the nature of the way that they play and the fact that they kind of go on these little runs where they might drop a bad game or two, that you can always pick them up cheaper. And there's no point paying $618,000 for a guy you could probably get for $550, 565 70 throughout the year. Well, and pick up what on a he, nice run. What did he, he drop down to last year? He dropped low four, 500, four, it? 478. Yeah, he yeah. got super low. And the reason was he he actually averaged, I think it was about 114 in the first eight rounds. And he also averaged 114 in the last seven. But he dropped a few he of these like scores in the middle. In yeah, yeah, and there was a few linked up. And I think that's kind of why he definitely did drop out. I think I got he, him at 520 the, and he kept going down. He's deviation for um, premium midfielders. It's got to be the worst in the comp. Because like, look, look at these scores. He goes 97, then a 189, 91, a 141, 81, 134. He's all over the shop. Uh, so he's fun. He can be interesting to own, especially if he's playing early and you've got the VC on him because um, he's the perfect VC guy. But at the same time, you, he can put up some absolute stinkers when you're playing league. Chris, what well, do I we mean, call that when someone goes 50, 100, 50, 100, 50, 100, basically? The up and down. Uh, Adelaide player, now gone to Gold Coast, still doesn't get a game. Oh, oh, Rory Atkins. Yeah, the Atkins. Remember, <laughs> Atkins used to go every every week in draft. You'd put him 50, 100, 50, 100, 50, 100. Yeah, which week? Yeah. And he yeah, alternates. Just, 
the, so the scary thing from a track perspective is that um, end of last year when uh, Andy Brayshaw moved into that midfield, his CBA is actually plummeted. So with something to watch is are we seeing Brayshaw the midfielder or are we seeing Brayshaw back behind the ball? Does Christian Salem have a say in that? I know that he's got that thyroid issue at the moment. Is that going to impact his starting game at the start of the season? Um, all of these are questions, right? So uh, around, I think it, let's just put it's it a lot. The last four rounds is what you're looking for. Yeah, the last 20. four rounds. Brayshaw had the last four rounds, including the last two finals, as far as how his CBAs went up. Because I want to talk about him in a second. Right. So Petrakas went down to fifty-seven percent, sixty-six percent, forty-six percent, thirty-four percent. 63 and then 44 again. So he really dropped off those last six rounds for track. And he averaged um, between 75 at his low and kind of up to around 96% CBA. So he did fluctuate a lot of 80s. Um, yeah. And he pretty much dropped down at least, what, 20%, you'd say, at a minimum, and a low of 34. Wow. Yeah. And so conversely, you see in those same games, you see Brayshaw had 57%, 59%, 71%, 76 52 and 59 So in those same games, Brayshaw went up. Now, scoring-wise, is there a correlation, which is the, which is the next step? Um, so let me just have a quick squeeze. Yeah, I've got do, do it here. Have, uh, yeah, so yeah. Brayshaw from the Bulldogs, which is round 19. So he's gone 122, 123, 113, 113, 83. To finish I can season. tell you Brayshaw averaged 108 for those last four rounds, and that trend continued into the finals for those two weeks. So I'm really, really happy there. Petrarca, I don't think it really mattered too much, to be honest, because round 20 to 23, he went 134, 136, 99, 117. And again, he averaged 114 over those last seven. So it didn't yeah, really impact a, Petrarca. Yeah, so that's a huge red flag for me because what they then see is that, okay, well, we don't necessarily need Petrarca to be as a center bounce midfielder. What we no, need because what is- because Petrarca was doing the exact same thing. If you watch Sam Walsh in some of the games, they were starting them as the um, half forward flanker inside forward. fifty because they've got to be there. But those two sprint towards the contest. So all of a sudden you've got yep. seven midfielders because um, obviously the two wings come in. But imagine having Petrarca or um, Walsh and Carlton's because they both were doing the same thing, followed by you know, the third best defender, fourth, whoever the defender. Now they've got to come and play midfield against a Walsh or a Petrarca. So Petrarca yeah. just, you know, great, I'll sprint up. I'll get the handball from Clary or Brayshaw and just go and do my thing. Or if he can double back and then he finds himself loose inside 50 and, and you still have the kick goal. So, yeah, they don't need Petrarca to start in the centre bounce because he still just gets involved in it. Uh, let's link in Angus Brayshaw because we did talk about him. 550000 as a defender only which I think is where the benefit comes from. The real thing is is to watch it because, again, I think Melbourne were not in great sorts. They weren't winning the the back end of the year, so they changed it up, and I thought they changed up quite successfully, and I thought they thought, you know, Brayshaw added a different dynamic, but the issue is you still have, again, Clary, Petraka, and Viney. So Viney's probably the biggest issue for me because how much CBA can Brayshaw really get while Viney is still playing mid? And it's kind of like a... Liberatore, where I can't see Viney really playing anywhere else. And that's the big issue. So, no. But when you look at those last yeah. four rounds, 108 average over those four, the reason I think it could be possible is because um, now I know Salem obviously has a thyroid issue, but even though they have like Bowie and, and a few of these others, I think Brayshaw, uh, say Salem probably still plays, right? So I think they have enough depth in that area to kind of get away with it. But And you also bring in Lockie Hunter, and the biggest relevance he has is that he's a the seagull is a very underrated winger. 
So you bring those two things into the mix. And last year, Brayshaw was playing in defense because they really had injuries and they needed him. And then once that kind of got covered a little bit, he then went and played on the wing. And it wasn't until those last four games where the average really went up and went into the CBAs. So now you have, if Salem's back and Bowie and some of these other people, plus now a guy who can actually genuinely play on the wing, it could open up for him to get some of those 50% CBAs and have a 100 to 105 average for the season. That is true. The other thing, but for Brayshaw, outside that game where he absolutely just, um, you know, um, seagulled against Essendon, what did he take, like 20-something marks? Yeah, heaps of 176. But some of of these, he scored 67, 72, 83, 54, and um, there's another one, 83. And those opponents were Gold Coast, GWS, uh, West Coast, North Melbourne, Adelaide. So against the weak teams, he just doesn't score. And, was I, he and a I don't know if that doesn't winger, need though, to those. be or whatever, but against the good teams, uh, you know, 102 against Geelong, Doggies 122, Freo 123, Pies 126, Sydney 130. So, and maybe that's just a case that Melbourne are like, okay, we're up against the good sides. We need Brayshaw in the, you know, it, it might have to be the centre bounce or the or they think they need him down back at half back, but they put him where the ball and where he's required in those games. Where the weak teams, he's just, you know, he can just walk around and do whatever he wants or, or doesn't need to get himself involved. Or they could have had those injuries last year and he was playing defence against a team that didn't really take it to their defence. But those games well, are spread it out too. So it's not like, yeah. okay, they've played four or five week games and we've just said about that draw outside of round three, but it gets real soft yeah, for very them. Soft. So does true, that true. mean, you know, they don't need Brayshaw, you know, Bailey and Salem and all those guys can go and do the thing and Brayshaw can just sit back and just sit on the wing and, you know, just get involved when he has to. If he well, looks a genuine I mean, part of the guts though, I am genuinely oh, sure. interested. More for the 550, it's kind of like a halfway gap. It's, it's a little bit more than... Yeah, fifty thousand more than or forty thousand more than your yeah, young and yeah, day cost, etc. But it's also a little bit cheaper than the six hundred thousand dollars players. Well, seventy, um, eighty. Think, well, it's about eighty thousand cheaper than Sinclair, and that yeah, and which is crazy. Technically playing the same role, and that so yeah, it'd be interesting. And and I did have some reservations about him, uh, obviously having you know concussion inju- injuries and stuff like that in the past. But when you look at his Last few years as well, he's, he's still played 95% of the last three years. So I can't be that concerned mm. when he's put actually quite a lot of games together. Well, Frico so, actually put out a tweet saying that uh, whether he's played midfield or defense, he actually averaged the same. Yeah, but that includes not- wing though as the midfield, yes? Yes, but yeah. he's not playing in, like he's not playing as a primary center back. Even in the games that he was in the midfield at the end of the year, he wasn't playing as a primary, primary. center back mid. He was a, he was a third or fourth mid. He was he was not the prime, like seventy five percent. He was you know, 50, correct sixty. I'd yeah. like so, to know his time on ground in those games where it's the weaker oppositions versus the higher oppositions because I wonder if they kind of do that and more manage him and and stuff because they know they're winning those games where when he has to, um, yeah, because it's amazing that all his high scores are against all the top sides. Interesting. Um. Moving on from probably premiums, I think some mid-prices and probably a real quick touch on them. There's not too much, to be honest, uh, as far as that. There's probably more draft relevancy for Melbourne, but um, Salem was someone people were considering, um, probably now even a draft option because I think a lot of people will pass on him. But surprisingly, people were putting Salem in their team for 390K. I thought he was too expensive to be putting in a standard team, let alone um, be considering. But uh, anyway, so... Yeah, he was on a modified program for thyroid issues now. Last time he had thyroid issues, I think he dropped about 5Ks. So that's not really one for me. 
Could be a bench option, Swiss, a late bench option. Better than I, uh, who I was don't that think you're getting him that late. Haynes? Because there'll be too much hype. There'll be people that like Salem. Yeah, That's true. All think he'll be I all think right. And I, maybe... I avoid someone like him because someone will pay over more than what I'm willing to pay. I'm definitely avoiding. And the other one is now handcuffed <laughs> into him because Salem's out. Bowie or Bowie. Uh, three hundred eighty thousand dollar defender, very similarly priced. Like, hey, I'll just uh, take one and bring in the other guy. But if you are that person, don't do it. Don't be that desperate for him. Um, you know, he did his job last year when he was cheap enough. He still scored, uh, so under eighty super coach in seventy percent of his games. So he's not someone that I'm kind of looking. The thing with Bowie though is that when he averaged nineteen points per game more when Salem was out versus when he was in. So if Salem is actually missing games. Then Bauer could be a good shout for a, a, a not a, I wouldn't say standard because that 19 points difference is between 51 and 70 points per game. Yeah, like, correct. It's, it's 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 definitely like a draft. Okay, well, yeah, he's I've out. heard big I'm things from him from preseason. He's been absolutely dominating the track. So maybe 80 in a draft. I wouldn't put him in standard though, would you? Switch? No, you wouldn't have him in standard. But no. yeah, I, I'd be more bore. Bowley, you'd pick up at real value in the draft, like the, that, that last pick. That's that's where the, those last couple of picks. And that way, Salem, somebody's going to take him at some point. They're, they're going to see him go, oh, yeah, Christian Salem, I'll take him, where no one other thinks going to go, oh, yeah, I need to take Jack Bowley. And that the, way, um, the smoky draft option, guys, is actually Cozy Pickett. So he's actually been playing a lot through the midfield. And the um, as a CBA midfielder, um, and I think he's, he's that sort of striker-style uh, mid that is going to be in there for the CBA and not necessarily follow the ball for the rest of the day, but he's going to then rotate forward. and. I think this is a big thing for him. This is a, a contract year for him. Basically, they I think that they're doing this purely to try and save him and not have him go back west. I literally think that he's just said to them, "Look, if, if I'm not going to get in the midfield, I don't want to be here." I don't Do think he when Eddie, Eddie Betts played as a midfielder for Adelaide, and I think he nearly a hundred average. I think as a forward, it was like you know, you take a, a dynamic forward and then throw him in the midfield, and he averaged absolutely crazy at the start of the year one year. But apparently, by all reports, he's absolutely killing it in there. So, um, you yeah, want well, he's to watch. quick and dynamic, and he's very evasive. Yeah. So he's not someone you want to have if you're standing in front of him. He is I not be... someone that you'd. Trust it's hard me, to tackle him. I, if I'm like I'm an opposition midfielder, I don't want because oh. you pick it in that midfield. I want someone else. I'll take a like a plodding midfielder who wants to you know, stand stand there and, and be still yeah. so I can tackle him. Like no, he'll run rings around me. I'm not interested in that. But He's someone that, that you'd be, be trying to argy barge, argy barge, hold, pinch. You'd be doing the uh, who's that Hawthorne guy? The old pinchy, pinchy, winchy. Um, I'd be, I'd be um, trying to get under his skin. Craig Kelly. Yeah, push, push, shove, hold. I'd be doing whatever I could because you know, I was thinking Judd, Judd, Judd did all that, didn't he? And the chicken wing. <laughs> oh, oh, the chicken wing. Uh, pressure point. Pressure point. You're talking about your kind of your, your draft smoke. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Drafts. Draft, draft, draft. Draft. Can we go draft, through? Draft. There's only one breakout and two, uh, one rookie, and then we'll pretty much finish off on draft discussion okay. because you've got to, you've got to link oh, in you're Viney talking about and May. And, and I was just looking at them, but that's cool. Let's go. Go, your rookie. So the breakout contender is none. I have no one breaking out except for Clayton Oliver to break out and win the Brownlow and probably go over 130 Supercoach. That's pretty much the breakout there. Um, rookie is the Jacob Van Royen who we've spoken about, I think, briefly. Now, forward 123,000 was impressive, was tipped in and could play um, with Ben Brown injured, although only problem is Ben Brown's now back training and with the main group, so I'm not quite sure about his outlook at this current point in time. 
and he's actually still heavily quite owned. So there was a reason for him, but now I think that reason's kind of shriveled up. Um, boys, what do you think, Swiss? I think you're in agreement that he used to be relevant and now not so much. Hundred percent. All right, um, and I don't don't like key forwards anyway in standard. So yeah, who was the Especially rookie um, key forwards? Who was that Hawthorne key forward that you missed out on, Chris? And he just happened to get a hundred that week, and you're like, you're kidding me. Kissed on the uh, D. Hawthorne, couple was it like a year ago, two years ago, two years ago. Swiss, can you remember? Hawthorne key forward? No, got nothing. Older guy. Oh, it was like, not Cozzy. That's not it. Oh, yeah. Um, no, no, Kaczynski? No. Yeah, no. Kaczynski. But wasn't he playing yeah. back line? Yeah, he was playing. Uh, yeah, he was a, he defender, was a, he was a defender. But he kicked the six goals or something up forward. Yeah, yeah that's right. That I guy. didn't have him. Yeah, that's right. That guy, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Um, all right, uh, Swiss, who do you want to talk in for the draft? That's right. I'm just not one to talk to draft. Um, I, I actually think um, Lockie Hunter. Might be an, yep. uh, an interesting option there, and I, I, he, as much as we make fun of him being at the seagull, and I still laugh at that photo I took that day. At he's Marple he's an expert at getting space. Right? <laughs> the seagulls were more in the contest than he was. He, he's <laughs> apparently actually, apparently NASA's trying to hire him for his next job. <laughs> he he's had some really good averages in Supercoach for a long time, yep. and the thing is, he's played a lot of his career at Marvel where it's probably hasn't suited wingers as much. Now he's got the MCG to, you know, roam around and be even a bigger seagull and at, but yeah, he, he's, there are more seagulls de- at the MCG than there are at Marvel. That's he's true. a facts, genuine facts. decent winger. Like he, he's got a, he had that one year where he went one fifteen. Now he's not coming out and doing that, but he, yeah, he, at his best, he is one of the best wingers in the league. And mm, it's funny because I hear people say like, oh, Langdon's the best winger in the whole competition and he doesn't average well. I'm like, yes, but they play different styles. They're very different. And very, that- very different. One of them, you know, is extremely good. So Langdon will get back in defense and get a fist in yeah, on a one-on-one. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas, whereas Seagull is definitely a, a link-up player to kind of either through the switch or in that transition to get you into open space and then link up and transition into that forward 50. And that can yep. get you a lot Langan, more points. Langdon's still good enough to go 85, 90. That's the thing. On the other side, a hunter can, you know, obviously do that too. Yeah, but I just think people are, people are going to look and go, it's a lucky hunter. Where I think, but I think, yeah, I think Langdon, value. a lot of his running is unrewarded. Yeah, yeah, and, that too. And whereas Hunter, I think he just gets more of the ball because that's, you know, we call him the seagull. And because mm. he gets more ball, he just averages more. So I think he's definitely a relevant option. I don't know where I'd pick him in draft though, because I think it's a, it's a really, yeah, as a midfielder, I wouldn't mind picking him even as my last mid, maybe on field. I'd, I'd love him as a bench option because I'm not sure where he quite goes. Yeah, you, know, you can probably get him quite cheap. Yeah, like yeah, well, Hunter averaging seventy one. He's priced at under four hundred, so I'm yeah. trying to think where does seventy one point two average. He is, he comes in, and this is what I love about this because those guys who are under four. Now that some of these guys are dual position, I can't take out. But he's at the hundred and seventy <coughs> if you're scrolling down. Which will include some forwards and some defenders. So, if you're in a say ten team league, you've got six, let's say six midfielders. Uh, so that's sixty. Now, some of those are, take out the dual position. Let's just say there might be fifteen of them. Yeah, you're probably picking them up as your last midfielder or your bench. Uh, so, yeah, and be this perfect. is why you don't use the app when trying to find exactly. players. That's why you use a spreadsheet and you have it He's- by averages. And then you filter in and you change those because averages based on projections. Yeah, he's 10 spots below, say, a Rory yeah. Sloan, for example, or a Harry Morrison, or these sort of guys just growing down, like, okay, I'm not taking him, or, or Paul Seedsman, or someone like that. 
But then, like, yeah, there'll be somebody who'll have that list and be like, oh, man, Lucky Hunter's next to my thing. And while you're scrambling on your, your one-minute time limit and going, oh, hang on, who do I take, Jared Berry or Daniel McKenzie or all that? And, yeah, the next person behind you is going, oh, why didn't you take Lucky Hunter? Thank you. I'll take my 85-90 guy. Yeah, I agree. And uh, quick disclosure as well, the spreadsheets are pretty much what we use for as lot of, for a lot of our preseason stats and there's you know, injuries and a whole bunch of stuff, so 100 plus, time on ground, averages, you name it. It's pretty much jacked up. And we've been working with Azza from um, Jock Reynolds as well, and he's just an absolute, like, insane with Machine. spreadsheets. Oh, yeah. and, and it's funny because I used to think I was good at spreadsheets until you look at all these formulas that people do, and I'm like, holy crap, I know nothing about spreadsheets. So if you're one of those people, good on you because it's quite challenging. But um, this spreadsheet will get released. I had a chat with Azza, and it'll be released before the uh, trial games go. So within about a week or so, week and a half, uh, pretty much by the time we wrap up our series. So we want to do our team-by-team team analysis, so that way it's exclusive for us, and then it'll go out to all the plebs and all the other pep, all the other podcasts can start stealing all the stats and using it in their content because, um, yeah, we were there first. So stay tuned for that. I've had a couple of people already message like, hey, when's the spreadsheet? Where's the spreadsheet? If you do have a draft coming up exclusively in the meantime, you can might hit me up and I might feel gracious, but otherwise, yeah, just wait a week and a bit. Um, otherwise for draft, I think the only other ones that really Viney is, uh, one serviceable, but misses games. I wouldn't be paying overs for him. Stephen May's gone 90 plus the last couple of years with some really good runs and he's not bad for kind of a mid range defender. So I wouldn't like Stephen May as my kind of D one, D two. The only problem with Stephen May is he's, he has an absolute monopoly on the kickouts. He had 151 kickouts, I think from just over 200 last year. So He's by far and away the number one kickout taker there. So if you take that out of his repertoire, he's a completely average defender. So um, you just got to make sure that he's still their number one guy moving forward, which I think he is. Makes sense. And the last one was um, Jack Lever, I think, averaged a, a lot less last year and he went 90-odd, I think, the year before that. So as an intercepting kind of defender, I think there's definitely a little bit of scope for Lever as a defender to go, like, even if you pick him up at an 80 when you get into your D5 and your bench, and if you have a little spot there, I don't mind picking up a guy who could push 85, 90 and picking him up at a, a you know 80 or below average. So I think he's definitely worth a shake. What do you think? Lever's, worth Le- a little Lever's look the one I'm debating because he's literally the 20th player I've got in all my um, um, keeper leagues at the moment. I've been debating about keeping him or not because I, I think there's a world where he could definitely go um, you know, 90 again. But I, I think if Melbourne improve and just their setup and if Gorn potentially sees a bit more time behind the ball then there's yeah, intercepts gone. I, I, it's probably yep. yeah his intercepts are gone. I think that's it. We're definitely not talking about Shaki or anyone else. Boys oh, any any other gosh. smokies that we're missing out on? No. No, I think that pretty much uh goes through everything for me. Wonderful. Very challenging team. A lot of talks about rucks and look at that. It's a forty six minute sort of deadline. I think we nailed this one. That's good. I like this one. Nailed it. I, I, we, Swizz and I didn't abuse each other about you know, speculative picks. It was quite pleasant, I think. Everyone was on board. <laughs> Everyone was on board and supportive. Yeah, this is uh, it's like childcare for seniors. <laughs> well, buddy. And that uh, wraps well, us up uh, for Melbourne. Hey, well, uh, well, who's next? North Melbourne? North. north. Oh, yeah. wonderful. 40, 46 minutes into 15. Uh, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned for uh, North Melbourne and we'll 15 see. 15 minutes you. just on Jack Zebel. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, I just realized we're going to have to talk about Zeeble. I was like, I can talk about Taron Thomas. I can talk about anyone. You, you know what the worst part is? I'm actually coming around to your stupid idea. But we'll get into that on the next. We'll get into that on the next podcast. We'll see you soon. See you guys. Bye.
The C is for the courage I possess through the drama. H is for the hurt, but it's all for the honor. A is for my attitude, working through the patience. Money comes and goes, so the M is for motivation. Gotta stay consistent, the P is to persevere. The I is for integrity, innovative career. The O is optimistic, open and never shut. And the N is necessary, cause I'm never giving up. See, they ask me how I did it, I just did it from the heart. Crushing the competition, been doing it from the start. They say that every champion is all about his principles. Carry. Bye.